Hello, sports fans, and welcome to another edition of Yesterday Sports on the Sports History Network. And make sure to check out sportshistorynetwork.com slash giveaways. I have two signed books I'm giving away. One is titled No Nonsense Old School Weight Training, and the other is Reliving 1970s Old School Football. This podcast is part of the Sports History Network, your headquarters for the yesteryear of your favorite sport. You can learn more at sportshistorynetwork.com. Hi, folks. Uh, Welcome again to another episode of the Pigskin Past. I'm your host, Joe Zagorski, and tonight we're remembering uh, the Unheralded Games Part 3. Now, dynasties in pro football come and go. Some teams stay on top for a long time, while others only manage to make it to the summit for only a brief amount of time before they fall back down to mediocrity and or failure. But throughout the latter 1950s and most of the 1960s, the Baltimore Colts reached the top of the NFL in the form of world championships in 1958, 59, and again in 1970. But by 1972, the Colts had gotten old, and they suffered the fate of so many previous dynasties. They began to lose, and lose, and lose some more. In 1974, the team could only generate two wins, which was good enough for the worst record in the entire league. But then in 1975, a rookie head coach named Ted Marchabrota took over the reins of the team. At first, it appeared as if the Colts would just repeat their typically poor performances, as evidenced by their 1-4 record to start the year. Then a miracle occurred. Baltimore started winning, and they continued winning. Game after game after game, the Colts began to beat teams that nobody really felt that they could beat. Included in some of those upsets were victories over division rivals Buffalo, Miami, the New York Jets, and New England. Other big triumphs in this nine-game winning streak included wins over Cleveland and Kansas City. Now, no victory during the 1975 season, however, was more memorable to Baltimore than their 10-7 win at Old Memorial Stadium against the Miami Dolphins on December the 14th. It would mark the Colts' eighth straight win, and it would enable them to play for the AFC to Eastern Division title the following week versus New England. Now that drama of that second Dolphins game was off the charts. For lovers of defensive football, this game was a true gem. The game was scoreless at halftime, and even though both teams managed to drive up and down the field, neither was able to accomplish much when they got anywhere near their opponent's red zone. Baltimore place kicker Tony Linhart missed a field goal in the first half, which would have given the Colts at least some semblance of control in this matchup. Now, Don Strock started at quarterback for Miami, and he did not really have a good game. He would complete just eight passes and 19 attempts for only 97 yards, and of course, Strock was uh, uh, Bob Greasy's backup. Nevertheless, he was able to lead the Dolphins on a scoring drive in the third quarter. The Colts' defense was having their best performance in years, but they were still unable to stop the swiftness of Miami tailback Mercury Morris, who swept to his left to score a three-yard touchdown. Morris totaled 96 yards rushing in the game on 21 carries. If the Dolphins' no-name defense 
could halt Baltimore for the remainder of the second half, Miami would go a long way into obtaining their sixth straight playoff year. As the fourth quarter neared its end, it appeared as if the Dolphins were going to accomplish that task. By this time, the cold December air had mixed with the moisture at the nearby Chesapeake Bay, which created a dense fog which shrouded the environs of Memorial Stadium. The scene just added even more drama to what was happening on the field. The Colts were deep into their own territory and then they desperately needed a touchdown and an extra point to just tie the game. A field goal did them no good. It was all or nothing. So they started driving towards the Dolphins goal line. Baltimore quarterback Burt Jones mixed his runs and his passes about as well as he did all game long during this pressure drive. Uh, the Colts converted several key third downs on this drive thanks to the running and pass receiving of tailback Lydell Mitchell. Uh, Baltimore was nearing the Miami end zone little by little. Mitchell was great at catching the ball while emerging out of the backfield. It was his talent which enabled the Colts to complete their best drive of this game. With time running out in the fourth quarter, Mitchell ran a sweep to his right and bowled over two Miami defenders from six yards out to score the tying touchdown. No more scoring occurred during the remainder of the fourth quarter, so this nail-biter went into sudden death overtime. Now, Back in 1975, the NFL's overtime rules stipulated that the first team that scored any points whatsoever would be declared the winner. Today, both teams get at least one chance to have the ball, unless a touchdown is scored by the first team to have the ball. The overtime and rules set in 1975 were much more dramatic and much more final. Baltimore took the ball during the overtime period and piggybacked into their scoring drive earlier in the fourth quarter. Coach Marcher Broda inserted a two-tight-end offense near the goal line and Lydell Mitchell powered over on an end sweep to his right. The game thus went into overtime. Well, the fog was getting really dense by this time, but it did not seem to affect Baltimore in a negative way. The Colts offense just drove downfield again, and they set up place kicker Tony Linhart for a 31-yard field goal attempt. Linhart's kick was good, and as the fans streamed onto the field, the 1975 Baltimore team took a giant step towards winning the AFC Eastern Division title which they would do the following week by beating New England. But winning that Week 13 game versus Miami would give the Colts players memories to last a lifetime. It was one of those unheralded games that helped to make the 1970s such a memorable decade in the NFL. Thanks a lot, folks. Uh, Joe Zagorski signing out. Catch you on the next Pigskin Past. This podcast is part of the Sports History Network your headquarters for the yesteryear of your favorite sport. You can learn more at sportshistorynetwork.com. Hey there, Sports History fan. This is Arnie Chapman, a.k.a. the Football History Dude, And I wanted to thank you for stopping by to listen to another episode here on the Sports History Network. Our podcasters are passionate about uncovering and sharing sports stories from yesteryear. And if you didn't know it already, we have over 30 shows across the network covering all sorts of sports history topics. In fact, 
Here's a glimpse into one of our awesome podcasts here on the network. Join George Bozica, the president of the PFRA, and myself, John Bozica, each month for the Professional Football Researchers Association official podcast. We'll discuss the history of the game, the many names of the game, and so many different things for you, making the history of football not only entertaining, but fun at the same time as we join you on the Sports History Network on the official PFRA podcast. How about that? I bet you're super hyped to go listen to that new podcast, right? Well, to learn about this show and all the other podcasts on the network, head over to sportshistorynetwork.com forward slash podcast. Again, that's sportshistorynetwork.com forward slash podcast. Head over there today to find your next favorite sports history podcast.